This is Wordfall, with historical novelist Rosanna M. White, offering our words to the Lord at the crossroads of faith, family, and fiction. Broken Places. Many years ago, back in 2013, I read and edited a book that Whitefire published by the amazing Susie Finkbeiner called My Mother's Chamomile. And I just, I, I wrote a blog post about it all those many years ago, and I just want to go through it with you now, because even now, all these years later, this book is still a huge part of how I think about grief, how I think about loss, and really just how I think about life and broken places. So I'm going to go through my, um, it's not exactly a review, it's just the thoughts that this book inspired, and hopefully you will um, be as moved as I was. I need to talk about this book. It has nothing to do with my interest as its editor when I say that this is a novel that everyone should read, because it deals with something we all deal with. Grief, mourning, death. The main characters in the book are small-town funeral directors, the folks no one wants to talk to because seeing them is a constant reminder of bad times, of how short life can be. They are a family mostly avoided until their neighbors need them. Then they are the givers of mercy, the hands of love, the calm and peace in an ocean of uncertainty. But who will comfort them when they're the ones dealing with tragedy? Let me tell you why I couldn't stop reading this book, and why it actually had me mopping tears off my cheeks. Me, who does not cry over books or movies or stories. For one thing, the writing style is just so incredibly authentic. For another, it has a surprising amount of action. And for another, it struck a chord. Because I have stood in those funeral homes. I've heard the quiet voices of the directors seeking to soothe, trying to bring comfort where it really shouldn't be. At 14, I attended so many viewings, I knew my way through all the rooms of both the old Victorian houses converted to funeral parlors in my hometown. I knew where they kept the hot chocolate and tea. I knew which rooms were bigger and which were convertible when you shut or open those accordion doors. I knew death way too well that year. In addition to several people from my church, I also lost my uncle and my grandfather, and it made me cynical about the whole process of saying farewell. On the one hand, that's the year my faith went really deep, when I started reading my Bible just because I wanted to, not because it was for Sunday school. It's the year I went from always being a Christian to grasping hold of the Lord with both hands and begging him not to let go. My faith went deep, but my cynicism did get a good route too. I hated viewings. I hated having to walk up to the casket and see the body that was no longer the person I loved. I hated seeing makeup on skin that never wore it. I hated seeing the careful arrangement of hands that, in life, were never still. It all felt so fake to me. False. That was when I decided that when my time came, I did not want that. I wanted a party, New Orleans style. Play some jazz, talk about my life, laugh over the memories, cry too, but don't pat my hand and say how natural I look, please. The cynicism took a turn when I was about 20. My best friend got married right after high school. I was in her wedding, she was in mine a year later. It was just another year after that when David and I came home from college one weekend and my mother-in-law handed me the phone saying, it's Christy. I took the phone with a smile 
but that didn't last long. Christy was calling to tell me that her husband had died in a car accident the night before. She was widowed at age 20. She was calling to ask me to be with her. So I drove to her mom's house, and I held her when she cried, and when she asked me to go with her and her family to make the funeral arrangements, I went. All my many visits to those viewing parlors, but that has still been my only trip below stairs. I honestly don't remember everything, just the quiet voice of the directors, their patience, their assurance that they would take care of everything they could to make it easier on the family in any way they could. That's what they do. But it was the first time I really paused to wonder how, day after day, they did it. It was a question that didn't linger long, I gotta say. College had its other losses for me. My boss committed suicide, as did one of my professors, and not many months later, my grandfather died of a brain tumor. I was letting one of my other professors know I'd be missing class for this funeral, and he got this sad smile on his face. He was the one who had taken over my class the spring before, after Mr. Allenbrook died. And that day, Mr. Tuck said, It's been a bad year for you, hasn't it? Are you okay? Well, questions like that can just break a body, right? Break a dam. Bring the tears that usually one only sheds in the shower when the water was covering the sound, and there was when there was no one around to see. Grief, for me, has always been very private, very muted. It is not my way to rant and rail. But, you know, when I went into one of those same funeral homes again for yet another grandfather, I gave myself permission not to go up to the casket. I stuck to the tables, the rows of chairs, the family I hadn't seen in a decade. And I honestly have not gone up to a casket since then. It's not because of any fear or disgust. It's because I don't want to let my cynicism rear its head. I don't want to taint the grief of the people who need this. If there's one thing I've learned, it's that everyone mourns differently, but everyone mourns. If they don't, well, that's even harder. I've learned that some people get angry, some get bitter, some get quiet, some get loud. Some turn to God, some demand answers, some just need a hand to cling to. But we all break because we're human and we love, and losing someone we love is meant to hurt. We break, we're broken. We have those cracks and chips and holes inside us, the ones no one but the Lord can ever fill. In my mother's chamomile, the Lord uses the hands of his servants to touch hearts all over that small fictional Michigan town. And then he uses the town to touch the hearts of the comforters. It's a book that reminded me so clearly of all the times I had lost. All those times I had trekked into that familiar funeral home. All the times when I realized how fragile life is. How tragic it can be. How death makes no difference between rich or poor, young or old. It is always there. I've known for so long that it is always there. And maybe it sounds strange that I so loved a book that drove that home. But here's the thing. We all have those broken places. We all have those times when sorrow takes us over, when death invades our world. We all deal with it in different ways, and we all wonder if we're doing it right. This was a book that said, right is however you can. Right is whatever it takes. And love... Love is what's going to get you through it. 
love of those still with you, yes, but even more, the love of God. And if you can't feel that love right now, that's okay. He understands, but you're going to see it in us. You'll feel it in our embrace when there's no one else beside you to hold on to. You'll hear it in the quiet when we back out of the room so you can cry. You'll sense it in the flowers that we place with such care around you. Grief is so very real. Mourning is so very hard. And sometimes, sometimes we just can't wrap our minds and hearts around the why. It overwhelms us. It makes the cracks go wider. And never in my life have I read a book that soothed those old scabbed over broken places like my mother's chamomile did. Made me cry because of the beauty that can take root in that moment of greatest sorrow. The pure love that can soak through all the brittle spots. Something changed in me as I read that book. Something that made me gather my babies close and smile over them. Something that made me pray harder for those I love who are struggling right now. Something that made me wonder how I can better be the hands and feet of the Lord. Something that made me wake up in the morning and think, yes, this is life and it is so precious. Something that made me determine never to squander that. Check out rosannamwhite.com for information about me or my books and to subscribe to my newsletter. This episode of Wordfall is brought to you by the Tea Party Book Club. Books, tea, great conversation, all from the convenience of your own home. To see what this month's book is and to reserve a seat, go to rosannamwhite.com and click the Tea Party Book Club tab or follow the link in the show notes. Wordfall is a proud part of the White Fire Podcast Network. Please visit whitefire.tv podcast for other shows I know you'll love.